Welcome to the Growing Pains podcast, where we are helping millennials get out of adult adolescence, one candid conversation at a time. I'm your host, Moki Musau, and I'm joined by the Eva Morilla, uh, a friend of mine, Ann Harrington, up in Boston, Massachusetts. I'm here in the tranquil woods of uh, Loudoun, Virginia. It's cold out here. It's rainy. Leaves everywhere. What's it like up there? We are uh, just seeing the last of yesterday's, well, day before, Friday and Saturday's snow melt. Still got a few leaves on the trees. I think where I'm at, we had about four to six inches of snow. So it was a good time. Happy Halloween. Speaking of Halloween, how was that? uneventful oh. i barely noticed oh geez if it weren't for instagram and seeing all my friends with kids post pictures of their kids in really creative costumes i have to say i was pretty impressed um but if it weren't for that i don't even know that i would have noticed oh geez how about you well i i uh I, it was it was fun it was cool it was cool i mean we didn't i didn't notice personally like you know i wasn't dressing up or nothing but uh in uh you know, I'm still, I'm a part of a bunch of Facebook groups from different neighborhoods and in where I'm at. And you saw these, like all the ways that people made, made it work, you know, with all the social distancing, like Mm -hmm. precautions and everything like that. That was, was cool. I was, I was really surprised and, you know, quite impressed, you know, by how um, I think this year more than many other times that I've experienced it it was it was a time where everybody was like excited even parents and kids alike were all like you know they were going all in you know and that was that was pretty cool so but I didn't do nothing I was I mean I'm I'm (laughs) bald what am I supposed to be doing dressing up your kid but I guess he's got probably another year or two before he really appreciates it so yeah, I mean, I just started getting him. Uh, so he doesn't like wearing hats uh, or anything. And it's just now recently started getting him wearing hats and keeping them on. So that's got that's a, that's an integral part of Halloween costumes is is the headgear. Mm-hmm. So now that's now that we got that on lock, I think we can we can start getting serious and start start doing some planning. 2021 is going to be, I don't know, no one knows what 2021 is going to be. So at least he'll be wearing hats. <laughs> <laughs> Just say that. Progress. Probably progress, right? Oh, man. Last week, I said, I set a goal for myself that I was going to be, um, that I was going to talk to the owners of, of like dogs that I, I met just in an attempt to be more human, mm-hmm. more, more humane, you know, less of a, of a douche. Mm-hmm. And this week I didn't meet a single dog. Neither did I. That hit me today. I was out, I was out walking actually just before we got on this call and, um, I realized, oh my gosh, I have to account for the dogs that I've seen this week, and I have not seen a single one. I saw four different 
corgis, which are my second favorite dog. Mm-hmm. Still wasn't able to pet a single one. I saw one bulldog. Wasn't able to do anything about that. I mean, there are some dogs that I, I see. I don't even know the breeds of them, but they're not even like my 80th favorite breed. And I'm like, you know what? I'll even pet that. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I still didn't even see that. It was it was really dry. Uh, yeah, it was it was not a good week. Mm. Sorry to hear that. You know what? I lied. I, I did see a dog between the time that you and I finished recording and today. Um, a friend of mine came up and we went for a walk last Sunday afternoon and she brought her rescue Shih Tzu with her. Ah, yes. His name Where is Sebastian. That's a great name. Yeah. A yeah, great dog name. Yeah. So I have seen one dog and petted one dog now that I think uh, about it. Well, I've seen it. So let me make us read rephrase that i've seen dogs i just ain't petted them this is what okay. i'm saying okay yeah yeah so i haven't had any interactions with them okay all right well i'm sorry to hear that um just gonna it's good. another it's another week another opportunity gonna bind the spirit of drought that is on your I life oh man i think what happened was i said i started talking about being nice to the owners and then like the universe conspired against me i just gotta say f the owners man i just want the dog <laughs> maybe that's gonna we'll, we'll see what happens i think this would be a good test if I see any dogs this week, it's because I don't care about the owners. And that's what I should do from now on. Price you're on the price. There's always a price to pay. Speaking of prices to pay, talking about today, knowledge and experience without reflection. Because last week we talked about just having knowledge, it? no experience, knowledge. no reflection, right. just knowledge. Right. Human machines, <clears throat> albeit that's very right. smart machines. That's right. Just, man, being a human is a great thing. I mean, being is being a human being is is such a powerful experience. We're capable of so much, right? You were capable of. I mean, we built the pyramids. Yep. Without having, uh, you know, the without having the tall cranes and nothing, we had that. They built the the Great Wall. I think. So there's the achievement, but I think without all of the, the sophistication, you just have more people dying to make, <laughs> to make things happen, right? Like, so you have these crew, uh, you know, today this you is have true. A, right? You have a did crew I, of like a thousand. Back then you had like a crew of like a hundred thousand, but like 90% of them died. Did I tell you about, about going to Chichen Itza no. a couple of years ago? Um, there's this famous, so it's the, you know, part of the Maya civilization ruins Mm -hmm. and it's Mm -hmm. only been recently been, um, discovered like within the last 50 years or so Mm. and cleared away, which is really incredible to think that this has been like under, underneath basically like branches and vines and trees for a couple thousand years. And now, now we're seeing it, but they have, they, um, essentially invented basketball there was, uh, there's this whole court mm. that they had built. And um, like many ancient civilizations, the number seven was special to them. Uh. And um, there, this on this long basketball court, it's, I mean, I forget what it's actually called, but there's, it's similar to basketball, this game they're playing. Um, and if you clap or make any kind of noise, you can hear it echo in this court seven times. Mm-hmm. So they'd done the math to figure out how to make the acoustics work like that. And you can count the seven times. Like, that's how clear the echoes are. But the losing team, to your point of being like, more people just died. Whoever lost in this game 
their entire team was executed and sacrificed to the gods. You see what I'm saying? So, God, all of this brain power that, you know, like thousands of years ago, they're doing these incredible calculations and, and uh, still results in, in death. So human life was the, um, was the currency for uh, technological advancement, but that's been changed. That's changed over time. And, you know, uh, along with, with the technological advancement, um, that's just how much we've, we've learned over millennia, centuries, millennia. You got Plato, Socrates, maybe, maybe Socrates. I don't know. Was he a real, I don't know. Hey, that's a discussion <laughs> from another day. But you got Socrates, Plato, you have the, you have, um, the the whole world of eastern thought from where i come from in in kenya you know not a lot of what we had not a lot of our wisdom was written down it was all oral passed down you have that tradition as well those kinds of traditions i mean you have the middle east it's being a human is great and the challenge with being a human is when the for me just thinking about last week is when all we what what we prioritize the most is just the amount the the ways that we can take in information and just become mm-hmm. huge machines mm-hmm. and machines you know machines are are, are are cold and you know whatever i keep thinking about irobot right um the whole thing about sunny was that he was a human he was a machine but he was he had emotions like a human which was like the whole scandal of everything um which shows i think that just being a machine is not enough mm-hmm. right? to be a human being even in the making movies of ai and whatever so that was last week and this week is knowledge and reflection uh, knowledge and experience and without reflection really we just become you know i think a fool in the in the in the old testament sense of, of the word not just someone who's stupid but the the fool is someone who, who, who doesn't learn, mm-hmm. who doesn't learn the important lessons that are supposed to, the important lessons for life to be uh, more equitable for themselves and for their communities. That's, that's how I, I see that. And as I was talking about it uh, before we got we got going off air, you know, the, the, the event that got me started thinking about this whole, you know, this whole discussion was, was when George Floyd died for me, one of my, sorry, George Floyd was killed. Mm. What got my initial reaction was, oh, here we go again. And it wasn't about just, you know, the, the idea of, of, uh, of a black man, dying unlawfully it was about the the whole cycle around black death you know you got the black death you got the 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 outcry the immediate outcry the pain the sorrow the grief and then the the, that that superhuman ability of the family to forgive the oppressor and then there's the you know we're also uh but then that also is divisive too because you know on the one hand but it's, it's whatever the case may be about that, the, the 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 what's interesting to me is that that's something that we're anticipating to happen, and then yeah. after that, 
it was the then you have the social outcry then it's like we're gonna do something about it and then everyone comes up with the whole like man we need to have more conversations white people start reaching out to the black or you know friends or people of color friends of color and saying you know please teach me teach me and then like you know you have you talk about it for a little bit and 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 then and then you just move on and then the next and then it happens again and then the cycle just happens again and again and again and again and the problem is that these the cycle the the thing is that this the the cycle is not different in in kind it's it's a difference of degree so it's just it's just mm. the same thing happening just worse but it, it's it's still the same thing happening Yep. And to me, it was this, we all have this data, we all have this experience, but the fact that we still see it as like, oh my gosh, this is new. Like, and the thing is like being a, like the, the, a, a fool, it's like a fool's errand, right? Like that's, I think a classic definition of a fool's errand is where you, you, you know, the, the end from the beginning and you still run it anyway, hoping mm. for a different outcome. Mm. And so, and so, so that's the classic kind of, that's, definition of insanity. Right. You know, right. Same thing again and again, expecting a different result. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, so that's just some of the stuff that I, I, I got going on. And, you know, I apologize in advance being all passionate and, and, and loud about it. Somebody, I think maybe this is more closer to home than most, just because the, the, what brought it about, was a more immediate experience, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And I think too, I think the, the intensity of the experience is certainly amplified when it's on film for everyone to see. Right. Right. So that's, that's an element that can't be ignored either because like you're saying, it's this whole cycle is not any different from anything Mm. that we know has been going on for Mm. forever, you know? It's just, you know, the, the intensity of it is amplified because we're seeing it, you know, especially in these things that are, you know, I think back to when Philando Castile was murdered, mm. like that was on Facebook live, yeah. you know, people are watching it in real time and that's wild. Like that's so that of course, yeah, the experience is more visceral because your senses are engaged in a different way. Yeah. Yeah. Which which underscores for me this notion of that it's 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 not new it's not new it's not new information it's not a new experience in the sense that it's not what's what's the word it's not sui generis like it's not like whoa this is like totally different right it's mm-hmm. just the same stuff this like with with greater like pain more like explicit more Mm -hmm. visceral like it's the same stuff Mm -hmm. that is and 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 the fact that now because but because of the 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 degree that then itself should be like enough uh justification for something to happen Mm -hmm. but when has that ever happened when has that ever been the case right Mm -hmm. last week i talked about the idea of um last week or Cameron when, but that div an attic, right? When is an overdose ever like, man, you know what? Maybe this is the time I should quit. 
like and and I don't even mean that pejoratively. I you know I I personally don't know many people or I don't know any people that have been uh, addicted to drugs like very intensely and have overdosed. I have friends who do. I've the the stories that I've heard from addicts is that they they go at it like overdose the overdose that gets them to the line is not like the first or second like that's no it's like a string of them right Mm -hmm. so it's like and usually coupled with something else you know like some loss of relationship loss of you know loss of a job something exactly Yeah. yeah but the idea that the the like the the intensity of an experience is what's supposed to make change happen right it's i mean it, it's so naive because it it never happens like that anywhere else yeah well that's that's the idea with to to carry on the the metaphor of addiction like the pretty standard um uh approach to 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 treating addic- addiction is to understand that addicts do not um, begin to change or even to really be open to change truly until they hit rock bottom. Mm-hmm. And I think what we're seeing is that what is rock bottom for black Americans is not rock bottom for, for white Americans. Right. Mm-hmm. So, or, you know, even Asian Americans or mm-hmm. other groups that aren't necessarily um, targeted by police in the same way. So that's, I think that's a huge part of the problem right is that there's our rock bottom is not the same it's not the same and it is you know and even as you're talking i just think about a couple things um off air we were talking about my the experience i had when i got naturalized Mm. as a citizen a few years ago right and i I mean as every ever since i talked I i talked about it last week with with someone else until today I've been thinking about it and it's it's one of the most meaningful experiences I've ever had and I was I was joking with the uh on the on on the podcast I was talking about this on that the two major like it was it's one of two major like life transition points that I've had in my life, right? The first one was when I converted to Christianity and got baptized. The second one is when I became an American, right? Like (laughs) the fact that a religious experience and a really just a political one have the same kind of profound effect on my life is something that's that's important. Um, And when I think about that, just now as you're talking, I was reminded of, uh, you know, Martin Luther King talks about a shared destiny. Right. Like doesn't matter. And this is and this is what's hard. Right. Is that when when we don't realize that even even my like my rock, whatever rock bottom is for me, for you know, black people and all that, whatever, it may not be the same for, you know, this this other group of people or, or whatever the case may be. But because it because we are a part of America, like this is everybody's rock bottom. Yes. Yeah. Right. Like this is, and, and this idea of a shared (laughs) destiny um, is that we're all like, we're all getting, we're we're all suffering from this. I talked about, you know, this, and, and this is a thing, and this is what's crazy. And 
you know, when we were talking about the pyramids and, you know, I don't know, Machu Picchu, you know what I mean? Like the technological advancement, the price for that was human life, right? And the thing is that even, and this is a crazy, I just, it, it just hit me that even today, the price for all our rock bottoms is human life. Yeah. Like it's still the same price that 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 that's paid for any kind of like forward progress that is how should I how should I say this? Because I don't want to be all like cliche and you know idealistic. But human life is 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 the price to pay for any forward motion or progress that Help, help, help finish that for me. I think, well, I think, you know, you know, you, I think you, you know where I'm going with that. I think so. I think the, the general idea is that as a society, like we are only, we're only as rich as our poorest citizen kind of, kind of idea. Right. Right. And I think interesting, like that example that I raised of, you know, the mind people, we do remember them for these incredible technological achievements, mm-hmm. you know, for their the calendars that they, you know, the Mayan calendar and all this stuff, you know, the world was supposed to end in 2012, but they were close. They were off by about eight years, but anyway, (laughs) um, that aside, uh, you know, that we do remember them for those things, but Mm -hmm. we also remember the brutality and they're both, they're both definitive, you know, this case system that produced this incredible, these incredible achievements, but also this case system that, that resulted in slaughter. Right. Right. Exactly right. And, and I think that that is America, right? Right. And I mean, let's be real, that's that's most everywhere. Yeah. I that yeah. that's not not to say that America is like, you know, the like no one again, this whole idea of sui generis, it's like there's no other country like it. In many ways, America is a very unique, unique country. Yeah. In other ways, it's it's a nation state, so it's just like every other one. Mm-hmm. It's got its wealthy, it's got its poor, it's got everybody in the middle, and it's it's got a some kind of government that helps keep things moving. It's got a relation and a relationship to other countries and governments and so on and so forth. So it's not it's not totally new. It's is it's another nation state. And and really just getting trying to get back to this idea of, you know, how does all this play into or how does all this tie into this notion of wisdom? How does all of this tie into mm. to to adult a- adolescence? I mean, to me, is that when when you have knowledge and experience, but you don't have any kind of reflection on like, you know, what is our where are we headed? Um you know, even when you say, where are we headed? Who is we? Exactly. Yeah. And when we don't have that, we get, all you do is we, we end up spinning in, in, in ever, in not widening, ever tightening circles of imagination. Ever yeah, shrinking. More about that. By that, I mean that, again, I mean, let's go with the whole please Bajali thing again. Uh, nothing really new came out of that. Yeah. For me, yeah, and there I mean, a, what, a few cities changed some policy things, but that was it. What's what's new? What's what's new about that? Right, a, a bunch of we, 
more conversations were had. Okay, so what? And I don't mean, and I'm, and man, you know, I'm coming off flippantly here about it, but what I mean is that there's not, like, like I don't, were we, was it on air or off air? I don't know. My brain is, is so fried these days. We're talking about <laughs> the, the hush harbors during the time of American slavery. That was, that was pre beginning to record. Okay, so got it. it All again. Right, so let me, okay. okay, let me, let me get, let me get back on that. So this idea that, <clears throat> you know, during, during slavery, you had, uh, Slaves could go to church. They could get they could get converted, get baptized, so on and so forth. But it was obviously um, slave sanctioned materials that they were getting into, slave sanctioned education that they were getting into, slave sanctioned um, uh, preachers that they could listen to. Everything was controlled so that they whatever kind of Christian education that they were getting, that it would not it would not get into their minds that they could actually be become free mm-hmm. that was the whole point of it inside of that phenomenon though you get these hush harbors where slaves would go in the dead of night go down to a uh, predetermined location and they would I, st- I still don't have the image in my head correctly of how exactly this happened but they would get together and they would have like worship and religious services together in the dark, in the quiet. Mm. And out of that, you, and even that itself was, you know, scholars have said that was an experience that came from their traditional African religions that they had mm. prior to um, being uh, becoming enslaved. And, but this itself was a new way of religious gathering that slaves had you know they were in the plantation but not of the plantation Mm. and then and and that became something that was a uh something that gave rise in many ways to how black the black uh christian tradition in america was uh like kind of became expressed. So can I, can I um, interject here or ask a question here? Mm -hmm. So would you then equate the hush harbors to a place where reflection happens? Because that, you know, yeah. Well, and I, two things, I would say uh, two things. I would say yes to that. The second thing I would say is that, that's the kind of imagination, imaginative space that we don't have, or mm. we don't give ourselves room to get into when we don't have any sense of reflecting on who we are, where we are going, who we actually is, and how we all fit into the bigger picture of life. Yeah. Okay. So, so you have, so you have no. There's 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 very little room in order for a quote unquote hush harbor kind of imagination to grow, and then even in that, right now, what could that be? Hmm. Where could that be? Yeah. Right. But again, this comes from imagination, an imaginative space, and your imagine. So the way two ways I look at imagination are well lots of ways but two that come to mind right now are imagination is 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 expanding imagine can be expanding and it can be expansive 
Hmm. Expanding imagination is one that kind of like grows, right? It's, it's, uh, yeah, it just kind of grows, right? Um, it's. It Can you give a, an example? It, um, I would say something like, man, I, don't, I hope nobody hates me for this, but uh, Steve Jobs, okay, and the Apple Revolution, that changed. I mean, that was a watershed moment in 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 history. That's changed a lot of it, a lot of how we just interact with our daily lives. Oh, certainly. so that was right. So that was an, it. Like that created, like that opened the doors for our imaginations to go to places, new places that we hadn't had before. Okay. So, and then you have an expansive imagination, one where the the boundaries, I guess you could say, are already there. But they're, the boundaries themselves are so, like they're, they're, the distance between me and the boundary is so large that, I can, that my imagination can grow within that and still be something that is creative and recreative. Okay. And when we don't, when, when, when we only see the like, experiences as new, not because they're, they're different in kind, but simply by difference of degree, and that it's the same damn thing happening, just either worse or better or longer or shorter. Mm. If that's all it is, then our imaginations are not expanding. Mm. Mm. Our imaginative space is not expansive. That's so that's that's how I mean when I when I when I say that. And so, and even, and why I brought up even the Hush Harbor thing was that the, um, was that it was a moment in which, and I mean, let's, let's not, let me not say that, make it seem like, you know, it was a great time for some of that stuff. Like this was like, these were slaves. These were people who are, well, let me correct myself. These were people who are, who were enslaved. Yep. They were in bondage. Right. The slave experience was absolutely like brutal and completely inhumane. In the space of that, right, the fact that you have this creative genesis inside of the plantation that is not of the plantation, that is different from the experience of the plantation. That is something that's that's powerful, mm-hmm. and that's the that's the the beauty and the power of an expansive and an expanding imagination is that it allows for like genuinely new things to happen that can even that can change one's relation and relationship to to something that's even oppressive. Hmm. Yeah. I I'm tracking, I'm following what you're saying. Um, I think what I'm what I'm curious is, and obviously because it's it's in the space of imagination that we're talking right now, and right. even you know, what you're mulling over and um trying to think through, it's hard to ask this question because I know there's not going to be a definitive answer, but what is, what's the equivalent of that today? Hmm. 
That's a great question. And maybe, and maybe let me ask the question a different way. Like what, um, because I don't think we've seen it yet, right? We're talking about something that doesn't exist yet. The government is not that place and we can't, we're not, it's not ever going to be, you know, it can, which isn't to say that it can't be better. It can, but, and we should fight for it to be better, (laughs) but, um, that's not ever going to be its purpose or um, function. So we're talking about something that doesn't necessarily exist in, there's no equivalent in our current, in our current moment in history, but what would the, what would it look like? What would it produce? Maybe if we can skip to the end. Mm, Right. Right. What would it look like and what would it produce? Yeah. I read, you know what? I really hope I, I actually highlighted this quote. I I think I found this book on Kindle. Like, I don't even know what it was years ago. And there was a bunch of free stuff coming either, either free or like super, super cheap. Uh, It's, it's by Langston Hughes. Can you Uh, reference him before? I feel like you have. I don't know. Maybe I did. It's hard to, this is for our listeners. Um, this is not too far off. Moki and I, most of our conversations consist of things like this and talking about dogs <laughs> and talking about Moki's ridiculously cute child. So this is, you're getting like the full spectrum of our friendship. Oh, um, That's true. So if Langston Hughes has come up in conversation before, it's hard for me to remember what, if it's a <laughs> podcast or not, but. Oh man. Yeah, I have. Okay. So, okay, here we go found it so it's it's langston hughes's book not without laughter okay so um i'm gonna just go ahead and read this it's an extended quote you know what i think this was this is something that's gonna start happening more is i'm just gonna read more just because i mean who if who could say it better than langston you know what i mean i'm gonna just let him say himself so Adventurers and vagabonds who passed through Stanton on the main line would often drop in at Cudges to play a game or get a bite to eat. And many times on summer nights, reckless black boys a long way from home kept the natives entertained with tales of the road, of trips on side door poems, Pullmans and far off cities where things were easy and women generous. Mm. They had a song that went, <laughs> oh, the gals of Texas, they never be unkind, they feeds their men and buys them gin and wine. But these women in Staten, their hearts is cold, is hardened and cold. When you's out of a job, they denies you jelly roll. Mm. So hard and so cold. <laughs> <laughs> then often arguments will begin, boastings, proving and fending, or telling of exploits with guns, knives, and razors, with cops and detectives, with evil women and wicked men out bragging and outlying one another, all talking at once. Sometimes they would create a racket that could be heard for blocks. To the uninitiated, it would seem that a fight was imminent, but underneath all was good natured and friendly and through and above everything went laughter. No matter how belligerent or lewd their talk was or how sordid the tales they told of dangerous pleasures and strange perversities, these black men laughed. That must be the reason, thought Sandy, why poverty-stricken old Negroes like Uncle Dan Givens lived so long. Because to them, no matter how hard life might be, it was not without laughter. And just as I was reading that, I remember Dave Chappelle. 
I just saw his uh, his his interview with Letterman. On so did I. I watched that too. Oh yeah. I I I love Dave Chappelle. Mm. I really do. A lot of reasons and, too. And to add to the question of where does this get us, I think it's a place where we can have that. We can have you know those lewd conversations, those that belligerence, the outlying, outboasting, the the pain and the pleasure, you know, the the struggle, the strife, and also the the victories and you know real wins in life and have it all and and be able to and be able to laugh about it. And I don't mean laugh as in like just like tell a joke kind of punchline laugh. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about like the kind of laughing that happens through satire because satire puts a mirror up to you and like shows you how ridiculous you are and like how how you know how Mm. yeah how you know whatever you are and you know it's just like dang that is really how I do things oh man that really is how I see things like wow like how I must be a real idiot to see things like this you know that kind of thing and I guess that's that's how I mean is that's how we 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 get there and you know what you you do hiking Mm-hmm. Tons of hiking. You go out to mountains and stuff. And, you know, you go out there and you got this, you got the trail, you got the, you got the beaten path, you got the, 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 the wild stuff growing, you got the trees, mountains, blah, 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 got the air, got the, but, you know, you, on, on top of that too, you, you've got all this, all the, the dangers along with it too, you know, you, things that could potentially happen. There's mm-hmm. the, you could get ticks. You could get all kinds of sh- wild stuff. Or you could fall off the freaking cliff, you know, whatever. But at the same time, it's like that the place where you are itself, when you look at it for th- from 30,000 feet above, it's a beautiful place. Mm. You've like, uh, I think a society where from the top is beautiful. And when you go in, you see the things that are beautiful as well as the things that could are dangerous. Mm. And you you have the, the the tension of 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 love and strife, of pleasure and pain, of people and communities that are working things out to make sure that you know the the poorest among us is maybe they are continue to be poor but they're not like they're not forgotten mm. when jesus said the pro always be with you i mean let, let's keep it real like jesus one was was, was being real out here they yeah. they always gonna be yeah. here not in like well so on whatever but they were there right. we can take care of them mm. right and that's what i mean hmm. yeah i i wonder if i think i'm hearing what you're saying as like the, the reflection piece, um, including coming through like satire, right? Like satire mm-hmm. is actually a great tool for reflection, right. as you're just saying, mm-hmm. um, both personally, interpersonally, systemically, the whole, the whole nine, you mm-hmm. know? Um, and weirdly, I think it also engages our imagination too, right? right. So all, all these components of reflection that are really critical, You've got personal, interpersonal, systemic, and imaginative. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, um, and one of the things that I loved about that 
that interview, which if you haven't, you know, if you're listening to this and it's you amazing. haven't watched it, you should, you should definitely watch it. Um, is listening to Dave talk about how ultimately like he's a community man, you know, mm-hmm. and how even his, his community is in some ways a space like one that we're talking about from the way he tells it. And that is what is, has enabled him to have this, you know, 30,000 foot view of the mm-hmm. world where he's seeing, he is seeing, you know, the, the incredible pain of, you know, George Floyd and his family and of black America and just all of, all of the, all of the stuff that we're dealing with. Mm-hmm. Um, he's seeing that, but he's also got this 30,000 foot view, which ironically is because he lives in a community that is, that is, you know, it's not 30,000 feet and he's mm-hmm. seeing um, how people can engage and be neighborly, even if they're not necessarily a hundred percent of the same view or, or whatever that, um, that relationship is still possible. Um, so I think, but I also don't want to end this with a kind of a Pollyanna sort of, uh, approach of like, we'll just look on the bright side and look for, you know, you know, there's, there's every cloud has a silver lining because some mm-hmm. clouds do not have a silver lining. <laughs> they really, really don't. And, but it's what you're saying, I think, is that we have to look at we have to look at the whole. Right. Yeah. Right, exactly. Which should not cause us to disengage. Right. The goal, love for one's neighbor, that changes your priorities. Mm. Right. It relativizes the things that are of ultimate importance to you in some ways. Mm. Like, you know, for me, what I do... I, I do recognize is that when you love someone uh, or you're committed to either a person or a cause or, or that kind of a thing, it, it should raise the question about what is important to you, mm. right? I should say raise, not beg the question. It raises the question. Yeah that what is important like for example i mean i'll use my life so i gotta have a son uh you know so and i think about him i say you know i'm gonna go ahead and like pound this third ipa it's like man i love i love beer you know it's it's nice it's tasty delicious uh refreshing but if i if i drink a ton of alcohol it's gonna affect the way that i love him or take care of him or hang out with the time I spend with him or with, you know, my wife. Like if I say, you know, I haven't, I've been, I've been out all day, you know, like I got to go see my homies cause I haven't seen them in a while. Or I want to go do this cause I haven't done it in a while, but that's going to affect my relationship with her. Mm-hmm. And so because of the goal, the aims of those relationships, it puts into, it raises a question about the importance of everything else that could mm-hmm. It's important to me, but in the context of the relationships, it gives them new meaning. Yeah, yeah. Can I um, say that a different way? I'm going to rewind us a couple of steps and say it a different way. So when you're talking about the kingdom of God relativizing all other identities, I think Mm -hmm. um, my my main man, Tom, N.T. Wright, my favorite guy, he likes to say that um, all identities are reimagined within, Mm. within, um, the kingdom. 
and um, including ethnic identities, gender identities, you know, mm-hmm. the whole nine. So social class, et cetera, et cetera. It's not that they're obliterated. There's no, mm-hmm. there's no, mm-hmm. we know that there's still distinctions, you know, but that they're, they're reimagined. Um, so even to take your analogy, you know, like your you became a father. That is an identity mm. that that is going to change how you are in all other facets of your being. Mm. All other pieces of your identity. It changes how you are as a friend. It changes how you are as a spouse. It changes how you are as a son, for sure. Because, I mean, you know, you understand parenthood in a way that you didn't before. So you relate to your parents differently. Um, same for being married. You know, you're going to you're going to be different in friendships. You're going to be different as a an employee because you're married. You're going to be different. So these things supersede and then reimagine these other identities. Um, they it's it's like uh, the the labels still fit, right? Mm-hmm. You're still a friend. You're still an employee. You're still um, a son, a brother, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but because the essence of you is sort of driven by a different thing than it was before, mm-hmm. it changes how you, how you are as all of those other identities, how you practice them. Right. Right. One thing you said that's important there too, is that, uh, you know, about, you know, being a, being a husband, being a dad, it's like what happened was that my identity changed. And when it comes to, it's like you had this, there's not a lot in our lives today that creates like an identity change or like, you know, I think about something yeah. like, like initiation, right? Like the, the yeah. whole point of that was that it was a transition from one stage of life or w- once being a, a certain kind of person is in, in life to being now the entrance into being an, an, a different person in, in life, in a new stage in life. And the thing is, so, and, and for me, and, you know, one of the reasons why being the the naturalization ceremony for me was so powerful is because there were very there's very few experiences I've had like that in my whole life. Well, and those are moments of reflection, right? Right, exactly. Moments of deep reflection, right? Those rites of passage, whatever they exactly. are. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. You know, so like I don't let me see, let me see what which ones I asked. So shoot, I mean, man, you know what? If you if the only way to do to get those is just keep going to school and keep graduating. <laughs> yep. Like graduations are the very one of very few ceremony, so sorry, uh, initiation type moments we have in in our lives. Even voting isn't that powerful. No. I think I'm trying to think how I felt the first time. I didn't feel much of anything the first time I voted. And it's not to. I'm not here downplaying voting. Yeah, I, I think it's a form of participation in in our democracy. That's that's important. It's more to the point about experiences that put in front of us, in in some ways, you know, the totality of our lives and what we're about. Like when you go through an experience like that's that's life changing, you're asking yourself the question, like, what kind of person am I? What kind of person do I Mm. want to be? That's so true. Yeah. Which is relates to the the goal. Right. So we don't, we have, we have no, we have knowledge, we have experience, but we don't have the reflection that's going to produce a goal that's going to produce 
a clear idea of who we want to become as individuals and, you know, as friends, as spouses, as children, yep. parents, et cetera, pe- members of our community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we need to, we need to, so I'm, I'm feeling like one of the things that we, well, I'm, I've known this for a while because I'm in my thirties and I'm single and I'm still waiting for that moment to be told I'm an adult mm. because that's, you know, traditionally marriage is that. Right. And, right. <clears throat> and that hasn't happened for me. And then, you know, I think there was, there was a time when graduating college was a bit of that, but mm-hmm. that's been sort of cheapened because, you know, our generation has delayed adolescence as we've been talking about. So that, that was, it was an exciting moment for sure. And I was, you know, it was a happy day, but it wasn't, it wasn't, um, there was no sense of, it was just, I've done this thing and I don't have to do it anymore. I've completed all the things and I'm, I'm done completing that thing, but there's no sense of, and now this is who I am. It's just like, okay, I've, you know, done all, all ticked all those mm-hmm. boxes. Um, and same with, you know, finishing seminary. It was like, okay, made it through, survived, did it reasonably well, we're done, you know, and no, no, like, okay, now this is who, now I'm someone with two master's degrees. And I mean, I know that's true, but it's kind of, it's a hilarious thing to dwell on. So it, you know, it doesn't make me think of myself substantially different. (laughs) It hasn't been a, that, that day was not, um, a source of major reflection for me. So, um, yeah, what I'm, what I'm wondering is how do we, even, even in our little, our little communities, our, our friend groups, our church groups, our, you know, whatever community you belong Mm. to, how do we set aside time to, um, to reflect? How do we, how do we create moments that are almost even ritualized in a way, Mm. um, so that we have, uh, have a space to think about who am I becoming? Who do I want to be? Who am I? What am I moving towards? What am I leaving behind? Yeah, we just need rituals. I mean, just yeah. to be real, we just need them. You know, I I was listening to a podcast, you know, and this guy's talking about, you know, the, you know, what, uh, you know, the, the phenomenon of changing, changing one's mind. And mm-hmm. the idea was that, is one of the main points he was making was that it's so difficult to change your mind these days because changing one's mind has with it the recourse that you will not be you're going to be shamed because either you you change your mind and now you're no longer a part of the in group and on the out group they're like they're going to shame you too because you're like you know they they say you're going to be like, I told you so. Mm. There's no way to preserve your dignity. Mm. And so what do we, we need rituals where we can affirm our dignity. Sorry, let me, let me, that's the second part. The first part is we need rituals that allow us the space to ask ourselves, like, what kind of person do, do I want to be? Or, or what am I? What am I about? What do I want to be? And in a way that we, it preserves our dignity throughout that process, because when we, most of us don't think about what we're about. Like we don't, yeah. we know, most of us don't think about our lives. We just live yeah. them. Yep. You know, we're just most of the time just coasting through. 
And when we realize that some of the stuff in our lives is actually BS that just is there because mm -hmm. it, it was useful at a, for our time and it's no longer useful, but it just stays. It's like, that's really like embarrassing. Like we're like, our, we're, we're so protective of our, our, we're so afraid to be like found out. Yeah. That we do everything to hide and make sure and, and, and just keep moving. Just keep, mm. keep, keep it moving. So we need rituals that will allow us to really take stock of our lives mm. and allow us to, and, and allow us to come out on the other side still intact. Yeah. I think that's, that's something that's been lost. I think, um, from, uh, the reformation, the, mm. the, the right of confession, you know, that's a big, you know, and confession, I think I'm thinking of it, not just in terms of like confessing sin, but, um, just in a broader sense, I think, um, I remember going to, uh, seminar on addiction a few years ago with um the the police chief i think of gloucester mass who has gotten into some trouble since then but he was he was known uh and nationally recognized because there'd been a bunch of um opiate overdoses in and deaths in gloucester and he basically just said enough like if you are an addict come to the police station let us know what's going on and we will try to connect you with a rehab program. And we will even, you know, we'll even fund it because I'm just tired of cleaning up bodies basically. And he's just, I can't, can't take this anymore, which is a phenomenal approach. So he said that. And then he said at the seminar that I went to that he thinks that um, therapists are the new priests. They're the ones that we confess mm -hmm. to. And I, I don't like that that's, you know, as a therapist, I don't like that that is being put on me, you know, <laughs> like that's not what I signed up for. Um, but I think there is something to be said for, um, in theory, your therapist's office and that relationship is a place where you can be your unfiltered self. Um, you can, you have some space to reflect on um, how, how you're living, why you're living that way. And if you really want to continue living that way, um, how you are in relation to others in relation to the world and, uh, where your dignity is preserved and in theory, your therapist, I've, I have a good therapist, so she does not sugarcoat things with me. That's one of the reasons I like her. And she will just straight up tell me how it is. Mm. You know, she does not tell me what I want to hear. She will tell me how it is. And sometimes I agree, sometimes I disagree and we can, you know, but that's, that's the beauty of that relationship is that there's enough trust there. And I, I know my dignity is being preserved even, and especially as she is telling me often, not what I want to hear <laughs> because that's, that's, you know, her protecting the dignity of who I'm becoming, mm. um, in a way, but yeah, the, that even she can be real with me. I can be real with her and, um, and she can reflect back to me what I'm saying in a way that's going to help me become rather than help me or cause me to retreat in further right. shame. Right. You know? Right. So right. I think that that's, that's something we have to, you know, therapy is becoming more ubiquitous for sure. But I think there, we need more spaces that provide a similar, um, a similar outlet or 
a similar place for reflection. So, so where do we go from here? I mean, it <laughs> sounds like we all got to find a good therapist. It's a good start. Maybe find a good priest. Yeah. That could be another one. Gotta find rituals that take us out of our daily lives and into a, uh, you know, a liminal space <laughs> mm. where we can. Define liminal for people who don't want to just pause to Google that. I, it's hard to. Okay, let me Google it. It's hard it. to. So liminal is, uh, it's kind of like under, it's like. Um, can I read one for you? Please do. Okay. This is from www.inaliminalspace.org. Oh, of course. It has to be. <laughs> <laughs> okay, just so we're, we're citing our sources here. The word liminal comes from the Latin word limen, L-I-M-E-N, meaning threshold, any point or place of entering or beginning. A liminal space is the time between the what was and the next. It's right. a place of transition, a uh -huh. season of waiting and not knowing. Uh huh. Liminal space is where all transformation takes place if we learn to wait and let it form us. Boom. That's right. That's okay. right. The space between what was and what. what <clears throat> yeah, 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 yeah. What, what's what was it? What it? What was and what's then? What What's next? What's next? That's I right. I remember a couple of years ago. Though this is almost ten years ago. Oh my gosh! Wow. A couple years ago. <laughs> wow. Where, what happened with the last decade? I don't know. Okay. I was, I was at, I was in a wedding, a friend's wedding. And, uh, one of her housemates was at the time was a quasi retired nun. Okay. And, um, so I was at this, at the location of this wedding and, uh, ended up walking this nun home from the grocery store, this elderly woman carrying her groceries and her just chit chatting. And she's asking me what I want to do with my life. And I'm like, well, maybe this, I don't know, but you know, I think I was in my early 20s. So it was like kind of, you know, anxiety inducing. I mean, as it honestly still is in a lot of ways, but then I think especially, you know, and um, don't, I don't really know what I want to do. Da, da, da. And she says, she says to me, your generation is in such a hurry to go, go, go. You're always trying to get to the next thing and mm -hmm. arrive. And she's like, what you don't understand is that the, the time of waiting is when Christ becomes incarnate in you and the word is made flesh in your life. None. And I oh, just, my jaw hit the floor and I thought that is probably, and I immediately went home and wrote it down in my journal word for word. Cause I was like, I cannot, that was so much more profound than I can grasp as, you know, a 22 year, 23 year old, whatever I was at the time, 22 year old self. And, um, I thought I need to remember this. And I've returned to that so many times. The time of waiting is when, when Christ is made incarnate in us. We all need a good priest. Mm. A liminal and space. A liminal space. I mean, that's true. It's like it's a space between what's what was and what's next. You know, like like marriage, right? Is you know what mm. was is we were both two people that were single. Now we're one flesh, and some, you know the rest is history. Um, you know, and or in you know the whole the the naturalization thing, right? I was mm. a Kenyan, and now I'm I'm going to be an American, and it's like this in between. Yeah. There, there's there's a lot of there are a lot of ways we can create these in between moments in our lives and we just we got to find those uh, that's one thing I, I i think 
um, I'm, I'm a therapist, not a therapist. I'm in therapy. Amen. I, you know, one thing about therapists always says is you just gotta, you know, he says, Moki, you gotta, you gotta speak to your values, man. Mm. And, you know, you gotta, he says, you're, he says, you, you can tell. And then when you're in an unhealthy environment, when you find it like objectively difficult to speak to your actions through your values, Hmm. sorry, to speak to your values through your actions. Yeah, 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 yeah. So again, I think that's what we got to do. We got to start asking ourselves some pretty hard questions here about, can I speak to my values through my, am I speaking to my values through my actions? Can I speak to them? If not, why? And can I change that? And if I am, then how can I improve and invite more people to do the same? Yeah. And do I have, I think it's touching back on reflection uh, of, do I have, do I have the values that I want to have? Are my, are my lived values, my actual values? Come on now. You know, come on now. That's a big one. Come on now. I think that's a pretty good start. Yep. Anything so, else? Just, <laughs> I'm just going <laughs> to summarize quickly how we're going to fix all of this. We're right. going to fix racism in America. <laughs> uh, we need spaces and places and times to reflect mm-hmm. in deliberately, mm-hmm. both um, as, as individuals, and we need those spaces in community and in relationships. Mm-hmm. We need some some more confession in our lives, mm-hmm. <laughs> and and humility, not humiliation, mm. in that. So humility yeah. being preservation of dignity, humiliation mm. being something that progresses us towards shame. Yeah. Um. And we need to be asking ourselves if our values, um, if we're speaking to our values through our actions. Mm-hmm. Are we living our actual values? Right, right. That's a great place. I mean, I would say, does your community allow people to preserve their dignity Ooh. when they leave? Ooh, that's a good one. If not, yeah. Then you then going back yeah. to what we talked about either last week or the week before, you're a fragile community. Yeah, yeah. And you will not last long. Yeah. Oof. Yeah, mm. that's deep. Well, that's one way to end. Sometimes it ends on positive notes. Sometimes it ends on the mic drop. I think that's a good place to drop the mic Mm -hmm. and roll out. Um, And it's been real. As always, there's another landmark edition of the Growing Pains podcast. I'm your host, Smokey Musau. Always joined by the more realist, no realer than her, Ann Harrington. Thank you all for being here. We out. Mm -hmm.